The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix podcast. Tune in today. Yeah, I think the characterization as climate change deniers is extremely unhelpful. Hmm. Is that Chris saying, thanks, Ben? Got my back, bro. You're so mean to me. <laughs> there was someone from Twitter calling me a hack. <laughs> Tēnā koutou koutou, this is Gone by Lunchtime. My name's Toby Mann. Hi, kia ora, Annabelle Lee Mather. Kia ora. Kia ora, Ben Thomas. Kia ora. Hi, Sam Young. Hello. Uh, we are going to do a podcast today about politics in New Zealand, mostly. We're going to talk about Labour and its conference and its polls and uh, Dern going for the banks and Adrian Orr and RMA reforms. And it's just a lot of stuff. I don't know if we'll get through all this stuff. Three waters? There's so many things on this list. Adrian Orr. Adrian RMA Orr. I reform. Said, I said Adrian Orr. Oh. God, it's all so boring, isn't it? <laughs> what well, should we start with? Let's talk about the. Let's go back because it's it's a week and a half ago now. We're talking on Wednesday, November the sixteenth. It's a week and a half ago now that the Labour Labour Party had its conference in South Auckland. It's a pretty good conference. I was there for most of it, or the bits they let us go to. You know, it was pretty. Seemed mostly pretty kumbaya, and you know they Did hit the right fun? buttons. Oh, I wouldn't say that. No, I wouldn't say that. It was more work than How was the catering? Fun. Well, question. there was, uh, the, in the press room, it was quite quite well catered, the press room, compared to previously. The last time I'd been there was for the National Party Conference, which was last year, which was when um, Judith Collins uh, gave the demand, the debate, uh, oh, yeah. rallying. It was very weird. Simon Bridges was sitting and sitting in the front row, looking at his phone while... It was very weird. Um, anyway, then the, it was very, then it was very parsimonious. But they had some um, what do you call a cake that's kind of blood red, then with white icing velvet on it. Velvet cake. That one. That one. That velvet, velvet cake, cake there, like a whole plate of it. Mm-hmm. And they had on the Friday afternoon those mini savoury mince pies, oh, which yeah. had an absolutely. Um, a, a very ambiguous content in them. <laughs> mm. Not sure whether it was mince or not. It was sort of like a kind of gravy, potato-y, mincey mix, and they were kind of cold. Oh. But even then, that was a step up from from normal. I don't know what the catering was like for the for the for the delegates. Um, but it was good. It was good. It, they seemed people seemed to be reasonably chipper. They shifted things a bit towards the attack. As was widely covered, there was the the, the um, Liz Luxon stuff that um, Grant Robinson rolled out. He was doing bad cop, uh, doing good cop, and then on the Sunday, directly after the Prime Minister's stand up following her keynote speech, in which they announced an extension to the childcare subsidy, which is good, 
bit of kind of, it was pretty pretty solid bit of policy announcement in the in that big speech on Sunday afternoon. Off went the Prime Minister uh, with News Hub to be interviewed, and I think I think at that point, given the results of this poll, which was a real um, a real kick in the shins, you know, um, and. Then, in the days to follow, there was the the Curia Taxpayers Union poll, which suggested actually things might not be so bad, and there'd been the 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 um, it was much more in line with the previous polls, and and with with Talbot Mills, who were who they were they were they were they were at pains to make clear was still showing roughly neck and neck. The 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 polls, the polls, the polls, the polls. That New Sub Read one had. National Act on 50.7 versus Labour Green on 41.8. And the TPU Courier, for people who weren't paying attention, had the blocks on 47.5 to the centre-right and 43.1 to the centre-left. Annabelle Lee what does it all mean? Polls can be quite different and up and down, mm. I think, is probably the takeaway from it. One of the things I was um, interested to see is how well the Green vote has held up, given... You know the bad publicity over the last couple of months and MMP's tendency to to eat mm. up um, minor parties. Well, there was that Roy Morgan as well last night, and people are people are skeptical about <laughs> Roy Morgan. Although, although your your um, your protege Matthew Hooten is is keen to point out it was closest, I think, to the result of the last election. But it had 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 um, had the Greens on fourteen point five percent. Like half of what Labour on, which is, I mean, you know, yeah. they, 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 I think they maybe been maybe may been them more biting at the heels than before. Do but you I, think it's disgruntled Labour people going over to the Greens? I think there's a bit. I think yeah, I think it absolutely is that. I think that there are. I think if you were going to try and provide a thesis to fit that, the smaller parties generally doing well. Obviously, we've talked about ACT doing well. The Greens have have done well. I would say in large part because they represent a party that is. More to the left and focused on climate, which are important things to national people. But I think there's, if we think again about the local elections and the general vibe being, I'm sick of this shit. If people are generally a bit over it, they're recovering from uh, COVID days and feeling a bit, you know, the old, um, uh, the, a bit of ennui. Hmm. Then you go look for something a bit different. And I guess that would be the, that would be the argument. One of the fits. things I'm wondering is, given how well ACT is doing, will National do another deal with them in Epsom? It doesn't look like it's necessary anymore. Or tikanga-wise, would it be bad form to run a proper campaign against them if you want to be BFFs afterwards? Am I making this up, or is Goldsmith going in, in Epsom again? Did I see that somewhere? Are you Dro- dropping speed in like on the a s- special forces to take the stronghold. I'm going to look, look that up while you speak. I don't need a deal with National anymore. David Seymour is incredibly popular in that electorate. If National tried to take it off him, they couldn't. Um, it would be a it would be a pointless waste of resources for them. Um, and the, it's it's really interesting. We're almost in a different phase of MMP. Previously, we haven't seen both of the major parties at not not historical lows, but certainly not peaks and highs, you know, definitely around those the mid-30s and low-30s, while their support parties are, you know, in the double digits and, and very solidly there and consistently there. And that's quite a different picture to what we've seen before. Usually you have a sort of dominant party in government, 
with you know, a support party and then either a strong opposition party or a weak opposition party with strong uh, minor parties kind of clustering around it. And here where it really is moving as two blocks, um, it's it's kind of uncharted territory. It's kind of MMP as designed to some extent though, isn't it? I mean I've I've I'm I'm getting boring drawing this analogy, but it's a bit like do you want coffee or tea and how many cubes of sugar do you want in that, right? Yeah, definitely along that that single spectrum and no centre parties right now. Māori Party. Well, Māori Party, they're not centre, whatever they are. Yeah, I was surprised um, that on one of those polls they got put into the to the right block. Roy Morgan like, put them in there. That's kind of quite, Roy Morgan is Roy kind Morgan's of looking at things hilarious through, the, oh. through the template of Australian politics. So they sort of say in the two-party preferred, yeah. <laughs> all this kind of language that is and, from and they Australian would, politics. They, they would occasionally Google New Zealand and sort of say that uh, Tabati Māori were in in government with National, so they're more likely to go with National again, which obviously is not the case this time. Uh, it's more, I mean, rather than saying centre party, we might say a kind of potential balance of power party. Or yeah, a, or, 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 I or, think that would be yeah. a more apt description for sure. Uh, and New Zealand First, I think, showed up in the previous Roy Morgan they were at five percent. I mean, Roy Morgan is well. A bit they're doing. All over they're the doing. Place. They're, they're, they're uh, doing sort of threes and fours, which is pretty good. And Winston Peters, I think, quite rightly says, "Well, people, we're flying under the radar. We're doing the community halls of the country. You know, when Walkworth, then Tauranga, then Walkworth, then back to Tauranga, and after they do Walkworth, <laughs> really he's purposely <laughs> flying under the radar because he's so stealthy. But their numbers are pretty good, right? Their, their numbers are all right. I think an election campaign." It will be hard for him to break past ACT and National, um, you know, it's just, just my thinking. But I wonder if he'll be included in the leaders' debates, given he's not in Parliament anymore, what the tikanga will be for the different Yeah, they, 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 they now Usually like to set the don't. rules. They like to set the rules kind of mm. early now, don't they, because they want to avoid the... The legal challenges that we've yeah. seen in, in elections past, and there's usually a threshold exactly. uh, for polling. Yeah, but uh, I think I think I think three percent might be it. I don't know. I think it has been in the past. Yeah. Um, it depends whether they want to go maximalist or minimalist, because you might just decide you have the Greens versus Act. The, then you might say Greens Act, yeah. Party Māori, and yeah. Winston. Yeah. Say. No, it's more, I think, in those minor party yeah. debates, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, he, he, won't get, he won't get a crack in the yeah. actual yeah. leaders' debates, obviously. The one thing interesting out of the conference, you said the, the attacks from Grant Robertson. Yes. So the sort of uh, catastrophic vision of Luxon comes in and tanks the markets with his swinging tax cuts and his... Um, you know, trying trying to compare it to the UK and Liz Truss, and you know, there's two lines, isn't there? There's the, the there's the, the trying to he's inexperienced, so he's new. He doesn't have the experience required to deal with this difficult situation. In the second half of it, he just wants to cut tax like Liz Truss did. Yeah. So so those are the, the two things I think. Like you said, good cop, bad cop, but I think it's more sort of uh, dark cop uh, kind of. Robocop. No, anxious cop. anxious cop. So Jacinda Ardern is anxious cop. She's talking about, um, you know, don't put it all at risk, which was a good Helen Clark line against Tom Brash, saying, you know, look, we've been with you through all of these terrible times, through mm. COVID, through the mm. terror attacks. Experienced cop. John, John Key line also, yeah. Secure, yeah. Steam don't, I mean, You know, there were literally people in the boat that they said, don't knock over the boat, you know. <laughs> That's right. Wrong them. And then Robertson is here saying, Luxon character, 
He's going to tank the economy. And we've seen it earlier uh, with the abortion stuff when Roe versus Wade was repealed in the States where they're saying, well, he says he's not going to... To, to, to outlaw abortion in the manner of the United States, you know, the, the worst United States Republicans. But how can we be sure? And then again today, there was a press... Quite effective. Then today there's a press release from uh, Megan Woods, which ostensibly it's querying the numbers. So National have opposed a number of the concrete measures that Labor has introduced in terms of its emissions reduction plan while saying that they support the emissions reduction budget. So they're aiming for the same targets, but they don't support some some line of the clean car rebates and, you know, Tesla subsidies and things like that. And, and saying, well, you know, you're going to miss out on 23 million tonnes of emissions reductions if you do that. But the press really starts off with Chris Luxon is a climate change denier. Well, it says <laughs> national's yeah. climate policy so, might as well be denied. Yeah, and it was interesting. It was, it was a press release from the Labour Party. From the Labour Party, and, because as a minister, you can't really get away with that sort of thing. That's right. And, and, also, and, also, and also, the minister also, is also a leader of the, the Green figures. Party. The, the, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> so that, that's another part of it. And, and the other thing is, you know, if those were government source, not, well, you can't really get the government, you know, the government agencies to check numbers to attack your opposition as a political thing but I mean everyone does but it, it's they really are trying to paint Luxon as the kind of extremist that left and centre voters read about in the United States they they've and I don't like it as a, a strategy I think that you know we've heard from Grant Robertson talking about how he's worried about the upcoming election uh, because of the increased polarization the ex- increased levels of extremism in the community well hang on I uh, think that's a separate thing that's, well, no, that's I, a no, real thing I, isn't it that, that is a real thing and I, I have a lot of sympathy for them in yeah. that way um, and uh, did you have you guys released that pod with Kerry and Chloe and Erica no, we'll release it next week. Last That's week really we good. did a, we recorded, well, no, thank you for this promotional opportunity, Ben. Last week we recorded a candidate diary reunion bringing together Erica Stanford, Chloe Swarbrick and Kerry Allen, who were the candidate diarists in 2017 for the spinoff and had an event uh, here at our offices and recorded that. We'll put it out as a podcast next week. Thanks for coming to that, Ben. Sorry that you couldn't make it, Annabelle. That's Okay. <laughs> And, and one of the things that was canvassed, spoiler alert, was, you know, the increasing levels of sort of polarisation in our politics. And I don't think that trying to cast the leader of the opposition, you know, in the national opposition is a very mainstream centrist opposition. These people are not extremists. And trying to cast them as climate change deniers and anti-abortion activists, you know, with an, a secret agenda, as the government's been trying to do over the past, say, six months, I actually think is really unhelpful. And I think it, and I think it does add to the polarisation in the electorate. You know, it makes people think that this is an existential fight. You know, they're fighting the forces of unreason and as opposed to you know, rational debates about, you know, whether a a particular policy gets you to the emissions targets that they both agree on. Annabelle? I think it's, you know, it's kind of do or die for the government and it's probably going to be an effective strategy to attack nationals' credibility on that level. I don't think that New Zealand voters will respond um, in the extreme way that we've seen in places like the US. So I personally don't think it's that big a deal. It's certainly true, isn't it, that that conference, in case we were in any doubt, made it clear that we're now in a kind of long 
election campaign. We saw the previous election, which we know is an aberration, essentially the Labour Party ignoring the National Party. They didn't need to do anything. They would have been fools to get involved with them. They barely even mentioned the name of the leader, and that sometimes works as a strategy. You ignore them. National kept itself occupied by <laughs> somehow making <laughs> obesity a conversation. Just, 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 just amazing. But also we saw an interesting thing, which is Jacinda Ardern going hard, at least rhetorically, on the banks. And uh, Neil Jones actually made an interesting point about this on National Radio this week, which I thought uh, might well be on the money, which is that the Labour Party has made a decision that instead of trying to shrink from the cost of living, remembering, of course, that it took a while for it to be acknowledged that it was a crisis when we were playing that game, is it a crisis or isn't it a crisis, now to, to lean into it and say, Embracing some of those lines that we've just talked about, whether it's experience or whatever, um, or a lack of kind of taking risks, um, that that Labour is the party to guide the ship through the cost of living crisis, to try and play to Labour's strengths in terms of looking after everyone. And another example of that is this going on, going after the banks. So it's saying that it, it was an interesting position that Jacinda Ardern took, and this was at the post-cab press conference that had emerged last week in which she said that the banks need to be very careful because they have a social licence, social licence being one of those terms that has been used ad nauseum since the COVID crisis, really, but it is a real thing. Um, And what she didn't have was any particular stick. She just had uh, mostly rhetoric. Is that going to work? It's pretty emblematic of their whole approach to issues like that. They came in saying that they were going to address energy poverty, that they were going to sort out the supermarket duopoly. Five years in, they're finally saying they're going to do something about the banks. But to be honest, I am not filled with confidence that we'll see anything that will really regulate the banks the way they ought to be. So I think they could be setting themselves up as looking ineffective again. I don't think most New Zealanders um, found the the recommendations they've made about supermarkets very comforting. Certainly nobody's seeing a difference at the till. So I think it could end up becoming an issue that will come back to bite them unless they genuinely make some um, legislative change. Well, the Greens have called for a windfall tax, of course, and the, the 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 issue in some ways there is, apart from anything else, what is the windfall? And the argument is, well, the, the windfall was COVID, <laughs> where, where we thought it was going to be terrible, but all these levers were pulled and it ended up with um, banks absolutely milking it. That would be the kind of thing that would hit hard. And the moment it's going for, we're going to push through open banking, push harder on open banking to enable yeah, people yeah. to uh, open banking is really switch. A, that's uh, not really a cost of living measure. I mean, that's something that's been in the works for years. Sh- sure, um, but it, yeah. what, I mean, what else? Are that what else is happening? I, I mean, there's a couple of things there. So the first thing is, yeah, this strategically, this makes a lot of sense because what the government really wants to do is. is shift responsibility or the mm. perception of responsibility for the cost of living crisis, right? Um, they can't do anything about the Ukraine. Uh, they are unwilling to do anything about Adrian Orr. They, uh, you know, they've, they've done their, you know, big half a billion dollar at a time sort of uh, tax excise um, thing. Interestingly enough, Ardern said that uh, they were keeping an open mind about whether to um, 
you know, take away the 25 cent subsidy for fuel excise in January, when about a month ago, Michael Wood said, no, of course it's coming off. We said it was, and it is. It's a so, bit of a bind there, it's coming, it's coming back. so expensive, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Half a billion dollars every about three, three months, I think, or six months. And the so so of course they're trying to shift it to other areas now you look at the banks banks make huge profits right um in terms of a windfall tax the huge profits aren't really that out of line to their normal huge profits right um it's kind of of a piece you know they had a little hit during um covid when you know in that first year 2020 um but apart from that you know they they always make super profits um well I don't know if you call them super profits, but about thirteen percent return on investment. Liam Dan had a good many, column in the many Herald. billions of dollars, many billions of dollars, and and their argument as well. We of course have many, many, many billions of dollars on you know many billions in terms of assets. So our return on the assets is and they is also, not as we've seen, countries. following you know the GFC, basically are too big to fail. So there's an implicit guarantee. They're on a pretty there's fucking good way. <laughs> and and, and that, that, that was a point that Liam Dan made in you know, a very good column on Sunday, which is probably worth having a look at, where he said, you know, there is an implicit guarantee. Uh, there are some explicit guarantees in terms of protecting depositors. Um, you know, financial management is not really the same as, you know, providing a service or something. It's not a risky industry. It's, you know, it's sort of somewhere between sort of business as usual infrastructure and sort of, you know, entrepreneurial business sort of stuff. It's kind of halfway, say. So, you know, is is there a case for lower profits? Um, don't underestimate the government getting up at the podium and saying this sort of thing, right? I mean, this is a government that just flat out banned oil exploration, Right, right. Like they're they're not afraid of doing potentially disastrous things on the hoof <laughs> with massive consequences for business. Right. Um, so you know, it's it's not as if the banks will be sort of like looking at them at the podium and sort of chuckling to themselves, going, ha, 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 "I'd like to see them try." You know, they'll 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 be concerned. Yeah. Although 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 Grant Robinson has worked very hard to establish himself as a prudent. You know, hand on the tiller, mm. blah, blah, blah. The, I mean, the problem with banking regulation, right, is that because banking and finance is so complicated and so complex, I was talking to a bank lawyer, this is a long time ago in the late 2000s, when they were bringing the um, anti-money laundering legislation. And he had just been with the select committee helping write the banking regulations for AML. And he worked for a bank, right? And all the people who wrote those regulations worked for banks because the only people who understood the financing and the regulation were people on bank payrolls. So in the finance sector, the, the sort of bind that you get is that the products have become and the business has become so sophisticated that the only people who can actually understand the regulations enough to write them are the people who will benefit from loopholes in the regulations. <laughs> and so... I'm just wondering whether there's a segue there to the RMA. It's, it's, it's very easy to say, sort of, you know, yeah, let's, let's regulate the prosaic. banks properly, but very difficult to actually do. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. 
Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Adrian Orr, they're saying we don't think that it can be extended until such time as a proper independent inquiry has been undertaken into the approach that was followed during COVID and more broadly than that. But the Reserve Bank did its own inquiry. Yeah, that's that's pretty the, rude of ratio of the Reserve Bank's the own line, inquiry. The, the line that Willis has run over and over again is that they're marking their own homework because it's not yeah. a properly independent inquiry. The response from Labour is, well, come on, this idea that there's a convention that we don't extend someone is only really in the sort of two or three months before an election rather than one year. We're not doing anything differently. One thing that's interesting about it is, so there's a sort of informal convention, you know, there's a convention sort of that it's a, it's it's bipartisan, that it's politically neutral, right? Yeah. And well, in fact, statutorily, a politically, you know, completely politically independent body. But in terms of the appointments, there has actually been a large degree of consensus over the years because inflation really has been seen as the num- was seen as the number one priority after the eighties. Um, you know, that was actually the genesis of the Independent Reserve Bank. It had pretty much one task, so they're generally mm. and because our banks were so successful in keeping inflation down, there's generally no debate. And, and it became a template that was followed around the world. Yep, yep, very successful. And then we just and they just plucked two percent out of the air as we've learned. <laughs> Interestingly, if Grant Robertson formalised in the legislation that the opposition should be consulted about the Reserve Bank governor's appointment, you know, that was part of the Labour government's suite of changes, you know, including sort of uh, broadening its um, factors to take into account to include employment, uh, you know, rather targets to include employment. And Robertson, you know, I think, wrote to National saying, you know, that they intended to reappoint or National wrote back with its concerns saying, you know, it wants an inquiry, would like to discuss this further. Then suddenly press release comes out saying we've, you know, we've, the, we've the, reappointed. Interestingly it. though, and, and Willis makes this point in the conversation with, with, with Bernard, that the ACT and the Greens also signed sign that letter. Yeah, that's right. Well, Chloe Swarbrick has been calling for uh, an inquiry into the RBNZ uh, RBNZ's actions for a while, mm. I think. And, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, yeah, sure, Labour have got a parliamentary majority, sure, they're in the government and it's, you know, it's it's their prerogative to appoint him. It's, it's a statutory function. But, uh, you know, it does seem like a bit of an F.U., particularly since 
Robertson has sort of said, well, none of our actions and none of the none of the government response, the wider government response, is the reason that we have inflation right now. Adrian Orr himself, he was roundly criticised. Jenny Ruth did a good piece in Business Desk about this at Select Committee. He said, well, look, inflation only happened because of the Ukrainian the invasion of Ukraine, but core inflation was actually up in the quarter prior to that. You know, to the to the current sort of like high levels. So, you know. Or and the government have both basically just said, this isn't our fault, right? This is nothing to do with us. This is either Westpac or BNZ or it's Ukraine or it's anything except either the fiscal or monetary response except for the pandemic. Mm. Now, in in that case, you know, it, it is. It's, it's, it is it is pretty obstinate of Robertson it, to sh- say, well, I'm not going to sure. take into account. I mean, they, they, I don't think they just say it's all Ukraine. They also say we push buttons and pulled levers that all central banks did around the world yeah, sure. in response to the COVID crisis. And so there's a little bit of, you know, hang, you know, what else were we meant to do? Did they did did they pile too much coal into the engine? Probably. Look, there's, but, but this, is, this is the Reserve Bank. And the Reserve Bank is a Dodgem car, right? You know, it's only got... It's only got an accelerator, and it can either take the it can either take its foot hmm. off or put its foot on. That's that's all it can do. Well, right? no, well, except, well, except during COVID, it, it, there was yeah. quantitative easing, yeah. which so is the other ex- part of yeah. it. Yeah, but but essentially, it's it's sort of more money supply, less money supply, right? It kind of so so it's got the lever for the yeah. OCA, and then it's got a big like tank of petrol <laughs> that it can like throw f- throw around on the floor to make but, the. Is that but no. so so for them for, for them to say well we, we just use the same levers as every other central bank sure but as with everything in terms of you know what we have led to believe is the extremely like delicate and acute science of being a reserve bank governor shifting inflation up or down 0.25 basis points at a time it's about timing and it's about duration right and you can't just sort of wave it away and go well everyone was reducing interest rates and pumping out money into the economy. Well, of course they were, but you've, you know, I mean, one of the things that we noted was that the New Zealand economy actually held up much better than other economies during that first year of the pandemic. So, you know, there, there are criticisms. Janae Tibshrini uh, wrote a good piece in the Herald about it, um, you know, about when some of these concerns might have come to light. Um, Arthur Grimes, who's a former chair of the Reserve Bank, he was saying, you know, in sort of, you know, Late 2020, that they should be taking the ga- the the foot off the gas. So you know, it's, it's not like these things are beyond rebuke. And the idea that you would just plough ahead and go, "Yep, Adrian, all back five more years," in the face of opposition from every other parliamentary party, um, you know, at least in advance of an inquiry, yeah, I, you know, it, 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 you know, both both groups can be accused of politicising it. Yeah, I think it would have been wise just to roll them over for another year, get the review done. And then do it, decide whether or not to roll it out after the election. <clears throat> Extend, you know, his contract to five years after the election. Let's talk about the what everyone's here to talk about: the RMA, the RMA reforms. Uh, you've read the full RMA legislation at a thousand pages, Ben. Famously, if you connected it from uh, one end of A4 to the other, it would it would cross the Cook Strait. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but you know, it's a big piece of legislation. Uh, the reform, the new, the new three bills, uh, 
three bills. We've got two bills now. We've got two bills that they want to get through this year, and then a third bill, which is the kind of climate overlay. Yeah, so the first is the built environment. Look at things like um, managed treat and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, you know the names of the bills. Natural and Built Environments Act is the that's the big big guy. Yeah. Eight hundred pages. Yeah. Um, the spatial la- planning bill is the other one. The spatial planning bill, and the spatial planning bill is more is is more about sort of the long term. Where are we going to put towns? Where can where can hospitals go? You know, which areas are we going to develop, and which areas are we going to keep for courgette production mm. in the long term? That one's that's one's a, a mere forty eight pages. Wow, that's a that's a. Bear, bear in mind, the bill poem. itself doesn't actually do that. The bill itself sets up a process for making those plans, which will themselves be tens of thousands of pages long. Yes. Similarly, the Natural and Built Environments Act, um, you know, the PR is great. The intent is great. The intent is always great with RMA reform. The intent of the RMA was great. The intent of the RMA was actually to speed up <laughs> yeah. and, and make more and then flexible it, and then it, development. And then it got a whole lot of stuff bolted onto it. Like, it wasn't too bad at the outset, was it? I mean, it was, and then it got a whole lot of stuff bolted into it and became this kind of Frankenstein that became a nightmare for everybody. Well, the, the, the other thing is that because it was so, it was very principles-based and effects-based and it gave a lot of leeway to councils to just, create very complicated planning mechanisms of their own, even though that was sort of the exact opposite intention of the act. And so this 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 reform would see what are now more than 100 committees boiled down to 15 committees. Is that right? I think that's right, across the country, and then they would come up with their own spatial plans. And the idea with all of this is to simplify an, an extremely complex, long-winded Process even this will not be in place though for ten years. There'll be three kind of pilot setups along the way. The 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 David Parker, who is the RMA Raider in chief, his proposal was to go that his 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 sell his slogan is faster, cheaper, better, which Jenna Lynch set to Daft Punk and her and <laughs> drank on it last night, which is very good. I mean, it's so weird it's, how Labour just does the same thing over and over and expects a different outcome. Like putting one hundred into fifteen does not equal quicker, faster, stronger, better. Well, I think they it, would argue it, that it, re- it reduces the complexity. I mean, the 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 the, some but the reason it's complex is because we're talking about communities. Mm-hmm. You know, like what what may work in Ponsonby is not going to work on Great Barrier. So when you create these these big cumbersome entities that have to deal with like huge areas, that in itself slows the process down. Well, that, that's I mean, all- if, back in the day when it was like little county councils and stuff like where I grew up on Waiheke, there mm. wasn't like a massive lag to get your house built. My uncle was a builder who was popping shit up everywhere. It's like when you. And how did that work you, out? When you, <laughs> his beautiful homes all still stand today. Um, but when you create these like massive entities that are dealing with like a vast array of communities, it mm. always slows it down. I just don't understand that why they think it would make things quicker. There, there will be a there will be a, a lag period, right? So this ten years, f- first of all. You know, as, as Christopher Luxon has said, the appointment to these regional committees that will create the spatial plans mm. will itself be quite a journey, right? Because the let's say you're in a region that has um, five five district councils, 
Now, your committee could have has to have a minimum of six representatives, mm-hmm. um, of which two need to be Māori. Yeah, of so which how, two need how's, to be how's that going to work? Like, there's 19 mana whenua just in Auckland alone. So when Auckland gets lumped in with others, how how's that going to work? It's going to create like massive. I mean, we've already got. The, these court mana- cases between mana whenua in Auckland. So what happens when you dump even more into this big, massive pot when you only have two representatives? And where's the... At least two. Where, where's the... Oh, yeah, because, like, I'm sure everyone will be bending over backwards to create lots and lots of it's representation be- for Māori in it. And, and, and then, on the other hand, yeah, you've also got the councils. So, this, you know, the large metropolitan councils might say, we have all the tax pay- uh, yep. ratepayers. Yeah. So... And you Why have don't different we have three reps, different then, shapes of you've got unitary councils, and yeah. then the other, and, the, and the, this is why this. I think the I think David Parker would say, I think David Parker would say, this is why we're like going to, to it, pilot so. it with three of these committees first, yeah. and then you know learn what we can from that process, and, and then, then move everything's going to go to court, and then everything's going to yeah, go to court. Exactly. <laughs> this this new legislation, it introduced new terms. Right, so kaitiaki tanga, for instance, you know, that was a word that, you know, some iwi used, some hapu used, not everyone and stuff. And then it kind of came in, it almost came into the language sort of through the RMA. Um, And then there were a lot of cases about, you know, what does this mean, like, legally? And now they've got new terms for for the relationship with the land and 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 these are terms that a lot of people that a lot of people have never used before and don't you know you speak to some Maori groups they don't know what they mean and so they're like well we need to you know all of this will be litigated you know whether it's new english terms whether it's new Maori terms um there are a lot of new definitions the way that the the legis you know within 800 pages we're just talking about banking regulations as you pointed out you know, this pro- there may be no single person who has read this whole eight hundred pages, right? <laughs> you know, and so it, yeah, th- there cr- will Christmas, be- Christmas for lawyers. The, the and if the boards are appointed, like where's the accountability back to the communities? Like, if someone decides to build back a big massive high no, rise, that's, that's right. On I your, think that's another yeah. on your thing. Like, do you get to your, vote them oh, off? Because no. you have your council rep on the committee. But then before he actually he or she votes for something, they'll say, well, I think I have to go back to my community. So you have to, you have to go and do the whole thing again, you know. So, the, you know, this is – none of this is a reason not to reform the RMA. Well, this is the point. No, the RMA, RMA is the same kind RMA's of long as well. This is, this okay. is the – and if you if – you, if you, I mean, I feel some sympathy for the government insofar as, as with Three Waters, I mean – Absolutely not forgiving all the all the all the failures along the way there, but nobody is arguing that this, that it's fine that the 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 the, the, the water is fine. No one is arguing that the RMA is fine, and there's such nightmarish reforms. National tried to get RMA through but reforms why would through. You, why would you embark on another one at this point in the electoral cycle well, they when you on it already have ago. all? Yeah, but that doesn't mean you have to act on it like a year out from the. It makes no sense. Like get get three waters tidied away before you go and enrage like voters all around the country again. I mean, one example is that there have been suggestions that the Auckland Unitary Plan is better than the eight plans, the eight separate plans preceding it, right? Now, if if we can get that kind of, you know, um, if, if we can get those sort of efficiencies or improvements across the country, you know, that would be a good thing. 
the simplest answer to all of this, of course, because yeah, as Christopher Luxon said, you're adding in a new layer of bureaucracy with these regional groupings. Simplest layer, like don't add any new extra layer, abolish local government. And then same number of layers, fewer plans, more efficiencies. There we go. Once again, Ben, ben solved it. It's, 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 um, we're, we're very lucky to, to have you here. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's a, it's a headache of a thing. Um, I think I think we've probably covered everything now. Is there anything else you wanted no, to talk we, about? We killed it. Yeah, we, we smashed we it. That. Amazing. Um, High five, everyone. Anything else you want to talk about, Ben? Samuel, anything else you want to talk about? Should we just? Um, oh, can I just say one thing? Can yes, I please. say one thing? Please. I think it's really cool that um, National have selected Tamapotaka. Oh yes. I think he in Hamilton is, West. In Hamilton West, I think he's the type of. Um, young Māori leader they should be bringing into the party. He's very smart. Do you know, do you know him at all? He's my homeboy. Oh, okay. He's my homie oh. he, from way back, yeah. like 93. Good. He's my G. But um, no, he is a really um, smart, brilliant man. He is very culturally adept, a beautiful deal speaker with a really good understanding of you know, how policy impacts Māori and um, really business smart and all of those things. So Except I th- I, I he think doesn't he's stand a, a chance because he once wrote something 25 years ago when he was <sighs> a graduate that, student that, that slightly contradicted the current policy of the National The Party. Waikato Times is going ham on the by-election candidates. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just this going through it's full on every part of it. Like, it's like the Tamapotiki <laughs> <laughs> laptop. And like, so first they had Georgie Dancy, the, the you know, number 120 ambushing Andrew Little. Because yeah. she turned up on a picket line, yeah. and you know, and each one of these stories is a Watergate for the Waikato Times. Well, they're like so- <laughs> Ben Uffendale thought he was rumbled when they discovered yeah. that he beat someone with a with a bed leg. Well, we've read one of your thesis papers. Yeah, so so, so Tamapotiki's <laughs> first first uh, gaff, first uh, faux pas. His, his first faux pas was that he on a panel he said that on, on a housing panel he said that he thought Kiwi Build was pretty good. Um, and and they were like, you know, they were like, this is highly embarrassing for National. They didn't say he did it two months ago before he was selected as a candidate when he was on a housing panel talking about a Kiwi build venture that his iwi had worked on with Kainga Aura, which had been a big success. And of course, the criticism of Kiwi builders is they don't build enough houses. So when they do build houses, that is a success. That's not actually a contradiction of National's criticism. Um, but that was... <laughs> That was like, well, red faces all around in National. And then, yeah, the latest one was how he'd written a, yeah, how he'd, how he'd come into, how he was in favour of co-governance because he'd written a journal for, a law journal article when he was a student 20 years ago saying that there should be some Māori input into the RMA. And they were like, this is his third faux pas. Off with his head. No, no sorry, they said most recent faux pas. It's like, actually, it was by far the most, dislocated in time. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's actually 20 years hence. <laughs> but... Talo for Lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. 
If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spinoff member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.